Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Break Room. I am your one and only for now host, Dr. Sarah Taylor. Today's episode is about a feeling, believe it or not. It is about this feeling of just sitting in the true expansiveness of the world around you and feeling a little small, but also in awe, like small in a good way. A lot of people talk about this, like looking up at the stars, like looking out at space and being like, I'm not even just a star in a galaxy. I'm dust from one of those stars. That's the feeling we're going to be talking about today. And turns out someone made up a word for this feeling. I mean, all words are made up words, but the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows says that Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R, is the realization that everybody around you, each random person and creature, is living a life as vivid and complex as yours, which is a little brain breaking. But this just for all full disclosure, this is a word that is on Pinterest and Instagram, but is not in Merriam-Webster or in Oxford Dictionary. But I think it very well captures this kind of feeling pretty, pretty succinctly. So I'm going to talk about the different times, not all of them, because then we'd be here forever, but several times where science really had me sondered. And hopefully you will maybe learn something, maybe not at least get to get to think about when science or just life had you sondered, because I, I think it's, you know, the dictionary of obscure sorrows. I, I don't really see it as sorrowful. It's also kind of a peaceful and cool thing. Sometimes we need to remember that we're not as important and our troubles aren't as important as they feel. So with that intro, now I will tell you the first time the science had me sondered. And it was in my undergraduate library, Yay Willie Mary, um, sitting reading a neurobiology textbook which sounds pretty boring. And it was a very thick and dense textbook. And almost all of my readings, I truly was fighting sleep because it's just hard to get through all of that language and technicality and stuff. But for this, I, I really, I really had a moment. I really, really did. And it was when I was learning about the retina and the visual pathway in the brain. So For those of you that don't know, the retina is this space in the back of the eye where there are light detecting cells that then connect to other cells that send the information and other cells and other cells. There are actually several layers, but eventually that information about the light coming in gets sent to your brain and then another place in your brain and another and another. So at each of these layers, it starts with... Is light there in this space where I'm looking? Like each cell has a receptive field. Basically, it's like each cell is kind of looking through this telescope and it's saying, is there light in here or not? And I mean, it gets a little a little more complex than that, but we'll we'll just keep it keep it there for now. Um, And if there's light there, it fires. And if there's not light there, it doesn't. And then there's also vice versa. Some cells fire only if it's dark and it's little kind of telescope vision, which is pretty cool. So it starts with, is there light? 
And then, I mean, it ends with in the brain, eventually you're identifying a full object in that sort of thing. But for me, the ending point that really got me was reading because there are cells kind of along that pathway from the light detection through the different places in the brain. There are cells that respond to bands of light oriented at certain angles, which sounds you know, kind of simple, kind of boring, but you layer it up. So first it's like, is there light in this area? And then it's like, is there light in direct in a certain direction in this area? And then there's cells called edge detectors that are basically they're looking, looking for edges, looking for light and then dark in certain places and eventually get up to like, is it moving in a certain direction? That sort of thing. But it was these edge detectors that really got me because as I was reading about these different layers of cells and all of this complex like terminology and um, bipolar cells and ganglion cells and the lateral geniculate nucleus, I was using my edge detectors like I was using all of these cells that I was trying so hard to learn about and to understand, I was just using them, no problem, to read, to try to understand them. And and it was really in that moment that I realized there's so many layers of cells and there's all of this computation and everything that's helping me read about the process by which my brain produces shapes and letters that I can then understand. And I have to work my butt off to try to know just a little piece of that process. And that that really stuck with me, that there's all this complexity happening in my brain, even even just to detect the first side of an H. You know, there's all of these things happening to help me do that that I don't think about from day to day, but are always going on. So that that really that really had me sondered and really was was giving me a little bit of a of a identity crisis in in the um swim library at William Mary but it was it was also a really cool moment and obviously I still remember it like I remember the table I was sitting at and how it was sitting and just like the I I was really just awestruck and very confused and it took me Let's just say I did not get my textbook reading done that night. It was very, very confusing um, and also very cool at the same time. Okay, are you ready for another science sondering? I promise this one, this one is less detailed neurobiology and more ew. So I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's better, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you anyway. So let's talk about the microbes on our bodies because we we kind of think of our bodies of what's here what we can see and all of that but there are microbes in numbers on this scale of trillions trillions I had to look up like how many zeros was it was in a trillion it's it's a lot and They come in all different shapes and types and all kinds of stuff. And they do very different things in our body that we need to survive. It's kind of like 
lichen. So throw back to that first episode. If you didn't catch it, you should, you should go listen. But we have yeast in our gut and on our skin, which that's like a little single cell fungus, which is gross, but important to our body function. And we also have bacteria which are like little single cell organisms that come in all sorts of fun shapes, like spheres and rods, arcs and spirals. And they have this little like tail called flagella that they swim with, which makes them sound really cute. We usually worry about them in terms of disease, but they do all kinds of important things for us and are not only in our gut, which you've probably heard a lot about, but also in our mouth in our lungs and just all over our body they play a really important role yeah it's it's pretty wild I I really I will not talk about this much longer because it still kind of ooze me out it kind of gives me the creeps to think about it but it also kind of makes me saunter it makes me feel like wow there's once again there's all of this complexity happening to do all of the functions that I don't think about. I don't think about making sure that my food can be broken down in a meaningful way and all the nutrients can get extracted and that sort of thing. No, I just eat the pizza. Okay, are you sauntered yet? Are you sauntered yet? There's all this stuff happening in the brain all the time that we can barely understand and do not know about even to listen to my voice and understand it and pay attention and all of that good stuff is actually a ton of chemical and electrical firing happening in your noggin right now so that's saundering number one saundering number two is also you're not alone there are trillions of little other microscopic buddies that are hanging out with you all the time and with all of us and that is a good thing it is a very good thing we would not survive without trillions of microbes on us weird to think about but true okay are you saundered yet are you okay there's no one here to answer me i'm gonna assume you all said yes but we want more sarah or dr sarah if you're just like trying to get a favor i don't know okay The last, last little saundering that I will throw at you is from my latest obsession, which is fungi. And this is, of course, coming at you from Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. I sound bored, not because it's a boring book, but because I say that title all the time to everyone I know because I love it so much. So in one gram of soil, one gram which is like a little teaspoon. That's it. If you stretched out the mycelium, which are the little fungal networks, like it spreads out. Think of it like fungus roots. Like the mushroom is the fungus fruit. And then these are, though, mushroom are also made of mycelium. They're like these little connected rod tubes that spread out in like this really cool and dynamic network. So if you take one gram of soil, a little little teaspoon of soil, and you had a microscope and tweezers, very small tweezers, and a lot, a lot of time, great eyesight, and um, fantastic fine motor skills, 
you would be able to stretch out the mycelium for between 100 meters and 10 kilometers. That though, in one gram of soil, one gram of soil, you could stretch it out for a whole track race. Or the, the, the track races for people who, uh, I don't know, 10K is a long, that's a long way. Maybe not track race, road race for the intense exercise people. I don't know why I thought of it in terms of running. Basically, a long way, a long, long way um, is how far you can stretch out this mycelium from a gram of soil. That's how pervasive it is. That's how entangled it is. Um, These tiny little fungal exploring network tubes. It's very cool. And these mycelium, okay. I know it's like kind of abstract because you can't really see it. You might be able to visualize it based off my description. You might not. Google it. They're very cool. But they're also dynamic. And so there's this really cool study where the researcher put fungus on a block of wood. And so it explored out and it kind of looked like like this like how you draw sun when you're a kid like a center ball with like these little shooting rays coming out except there are lots of branches from those shooting rays and everything and then they put another block of wood nearby and you could see over time instead of being this kind of symmetrical little cartoon sun with some extra branches it started directing like all of it, all of these little threads in the direction of the other piece of wood once it got to it. And then it like moved its entire network. So it was split evenly between these two food sources, which is so cool. That's how dynamic it is. It like and that's that's its job. That is why plants need fungus, even though they have roots, is because these mycelia networks their job is to explore and they can do it so well and it's so like just this entangled dynamic network that's like gonna find that food it's like that one friend that can always find something to eat no matter what time it is actually okay i don't i wanted a metaphor but i don't know if that person actually exists hello person who can find good food at any time, please contact me. You sound amazing. However, that's probably not a universal example, but I'm going to leave this in here for the call. If you can find good food anywhere, please let me know. I need you in my life. Okay, back to the mycelium sprawl. Not only are they super cool and dynamic, they're not just empty tubes like sucking up water, sucking up nutrients. They can transport genes that's right like genetic material chemicals building material like like little proteins and stuff they can pass electric signals okay what does this sound like for all you neuroscientists out there what does this sound like you can pass chemicals pass electric signals complex dynamic network does that not sound just like the brain i mean it's not a brain and there's actually a lot of chit chat in the fungus world about how like these mycelia networks are not neural networks and it's not the same 
but it's pretty cool. Like in all of the very cool ways that a brain is a brain, mycelium networks are mycelium networks. And I think it's awesome. Okay. Back, back to all the non-neuroscientists. Hello, we are here. I'm here for you as well. So one of the chemicals that these mycelium networks can pass is tree distress signals. So if a tree is getting attacked by a bunch of insects, it will release a distress signal, which in the book Entangled Life was basically referred to as a tree scream, which I find very understandable and also terrifying. Um, So it releases this little tree scream and the tree scream doesn't just float through the air to the other tree. It can also pass through the mycelium network. So these little these little fungal fibers are helping pass the tree scream from one tree to the other. So then the other one can go, oh, if they have it, I hope they do. They can put their like little bug repellent on, metaphorically speaking, of course, which I think is super, super cool and interesting. The most, okay, I got a little distracted telling you about what these mycelium networks are and what they can do because I think they're super, super cool. But the the thing that's most sondering about this mycelium in general that okay so the mycelium network that connects specifically with plants is called a mycorrhizal network slight difference in name same idea everything i've said already applies let me tell you how many miles of this mycorrhizal fungus which connects to little plant roots we have on this here earth a thousand trillion quadrillions quadrillions we have quadrillions of miles which i didn't know what a quadrillion is it is a one with 15 zeros behind it it is a thousand trillions it is the distance you could go to pluto and back and then back to pluto again just right in this wave of specifically the mycelium that connect to plants. Not even the rest of them that are not connected to plants. Just the little fuzzy networks that are connected to plants. You could go to Pluto and back and back to Pluto again, which like, I'm here for Pluto. Pluto, I feel so bad for you. You were once a planet, planet in my childhood, and then I said, no, you're just a big rock. And I'm here to say, Pluto, that you're a planet to me, no matter what, no matter what the scientific definition of a planet is, the emotional definition of a planet, you fulfill and you have my vote. Okay. Wow. So that is our third saundering. Hopefully you feel sufficiently saundered, whether you're thinking about the brain thinking about all the not so creepy crawlies all on and in your body. I'm so sorry. Hopefully no one has nightmares from this. And then also thinking about this crazy, dynamic, amazing network that's passing all of this information beneath our feet. Obviously, I'm still super excited about fungus. Um, That could take you to Pluto and back. Wow. If, If you're not Sondra now... Please let me know what what would get you sondered. This is this is quite the thing. So got 
got a odd little little wish for you today. I hope that today, and maybe not every day, because it might get weird, but today, put a little sonder in your step. Find something that makes you feel small and in awe. And until next time, please come back and join us in the Brain Break Room. Thank you. Bye.